Uh, chapter 4 of 1 Peter, it's about suffering, it's about persecution, it's kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of times scripture is, it's where we are, it's because where we are. It's, 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 it speaks to the thing that we need to know when we need to know it, because God is good that way. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Um, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about chapter 2. Verse 21 of chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving, uh, leaving us uh, an example that we should follow his steps. And it talks about wives. Your, your persecution, your suffering is to your husband and your submission. Husbands, your suffering is uh, likewise, you wives dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, unto the weaker vessel. He said, it doesn't sound much like suffering. Well, it takes selflessness. It, so it's not persecution, but it's death to self. It's picking up your cross, that instrument of death that kills self. So, yeah, it is. And then we're calling call verse 8 to all be of one mind, having compassion. And it goes on the whole uh, way talking this uh, out look at verse 14 and we're in chapter 3 but in if you suffer for righteousness sake happy are ye well why is he talking about that because he's talking about suffering that christ left an as an example for throughout now in first peter chapter 4 he's still talking about the same thing for as much as christ hath suffered for us he's drawing our attention back to chapter 2 he suffered for us in the flesh that's to say before he was incarnated how much suffering goes on in heaven by jesus christ zero he had to become a man to endure what we endure and to know what we know to be that faithful high priest that we need uh, so he for as much as christ has suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves likewise how are you going to arm yourself uh uzis and uh glocks and no no we're arming ourselves with the same mind the battle is right here between the ears. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. When you're persecuted, you're not, you're not drugging it up. When you're being persecuted, when you've taken that place where you've made a stand for Christ and your life is about living for Jesus, even to your own hurt, your life has no place for sin. Uh, persecution has a cleansing effect and we'll look at that as we look through here um you really want to live for the lord sin will go away you'll be persecuted all they would live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution the reason that we're never being persecuted maybe or not suffering is because maybe we're not living for christ all that would live godly for christ jesus so if you're not living godly for christ jesus uh, okay, he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. And he gives us an example of this in verse 3. Okay, it's time now to live for the Lord. What does that look like? Verse 3, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. Really? I mean, you live like that for a long time, living in your own will, your own willfulness, and it wasn't pretty. Aren't you done with that? In the time past of our life, 
That's enough. It may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. Gentiles here, he uses like unbelievers. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Let's go through this a little bit. Lasciviousness means lasciviousness. It means debauchery. Uh, lusts are lust. Excess of wine here is drunkenness. Uh, revelings is orgies. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, banquetings is carousing, and abominable idolatries is abominable idolatries. And the whole thing was idolatrous. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So I got saved. So you got saved. Now our taste buds have changed. If any man being Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, well, they're passed away, and all things become new. Listen to me. Do you, you remember how it was? Because I do. I'd, uh, I had uh, copious amounts of adult beverages when I was in the Marine Corps. And so I got saved while the, the, uh, the squadron was in the Philippines. And when they came back, I had had a transformation, a life-altering, born-again experience. And I was no longer Adam in the flesh. I was Adam in the spirit. Looked the same. Talked the same. They couldn't tell the difference immediately. So my friends would come in and say, hey, let's go to the club. Uh, let's, uh, you know... You know, what, what are we waiting for? Let's go. Uh, no, no, I think I'm going to just uh, stay in the barracks tonight and read my Bible. <laughs> oh, Adam, that's great. No, come on, serious, let's go. No, I am serious. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read the Bible. And they would be walking away, scratching their heads like, where do they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot? We're different people now. And listen, are you still in the same lifestyle? The Bible militates, argues against that. I was converted, and I used to be this pig with shoes. And now I'm converted to Jesus Christ, and I'm still this pig, this debauched, depraved, wicked sinner but I'm going to heaven now. And people would ask, what were you saved from? What were you saved to? And there are Christians who live like that. And I'm thinking, maybe you want to re-examine. To be sure, I want to be gracious. To be sure, we're not perfect overnight. We're 40 years in and I'm not perfect. But there has to be some change. Uh, that new creationness should look like something it looks like you're not running to the same excess of riot so they speak evil of you why hey good for you i hope it works out i mean man i think a person should have some spirituality and if you, you know you're thinking about eternity that's probably a really sound thing people are saying no they are not they are saying you know what gives well who are you what are you holier than thou now that's what they say that's what they said um, they, they speak evil of you who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. Because they're persecuting, because they're speaking evil, because they're saying things about you, they're going to have to be ready to give God an answer why they thought it was okay to, to, to persecute his bride. Um, if somebody is persecuting my bride, that's an easy way uh, to have... Uh, that, that, that's not going to end well for you. Just let me, let me say that. Uh, I'm just a human being. Jesus feels the same way about his bride. 
Uh, For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now, a couple ideas. People think this is just regular preaching, the preaching to them which are dead, spiritually dead, uh, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. It doesn't quite fit because it's talking about an activity that already happened. Now, he all he talked last week in verse in chapter three, in verse nineteen, by which also he he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, and he was talking about. And at the same time, obviously that that preached that was Caruso, that was a proclamation. In other words, I won, you lost, your fate is sealed. Uh, here, I think it's the time where he he. In Abraham's bosom, they have the, the, the place of the dead, Gehenna, um, the place of the dead. Let's, let's leave it at that. Um, um, the, the grave. And not Gehenna. There's another word, but I'm, I, I'm, I can't come up with it right now. But anyway, the, the issue is, is that there's a, in, this realm of the dead, there was the unrighteous dead and there was the righteous dead. And this is chronicled. Some people say it's a, 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 a teaching by Jesus that was more along the lines of a parable. I would, I would disagree. I think it was a teaching in Luke chapter 16 where Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus. And there was a place of suffering for the unrighteous dead. And there was a place of peace and comfort for the righteous dead and this Jesus went and he proclaimed to the unrighteous spirits and to those in this this realm of the dead perhaps uh, that okay it, it's been the price has been paid and I think this is the time according to it's in the book of Psalms but it's also in uh, the book of Ephesians that he led captivity captive I think this is at this time for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, Jesus proclaiming his victory, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. By the way, the flesh always ends in judgment, and that which is spiritual is according to God. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch in a prayer. The end of all things is at hand. We're winding down. You don't know that. You have cognitive dissonance. You have... You are in a place where you don't want, you love the world so much, perhaps, perhaps, that you don't want it to end. Uh, but that's, that's, the end of all things is at hand. So what, in light of that, what? Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. If you knew that we only had a week to go before the rapture, would you spend any of it prayerfully? I should suggest that you spend it all prayerfully. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch in a prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity. That's, this is what your life should look like. Prayer and love. Have all, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You should love those in the family of God. You should love those outside the family of God. You should love your physical family. You should love those who aren't related to you at all. You should love your friends. You should love those who you don't even know. You should love uh, the people who love you. You should love your enemies. Love, 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 
and more love. It's what characterizes us as Christians. Uh, Jesus says, this is how they know you, my disciples, love you have one for another. But he's also the one who told us to love our enemies. And by the way, we've been talking about this a lot. This is kind of like one of these mega themes that kind of goes through my mind for a while. To overcome in your life, you need you don't need more of the same spirit. You don't need to fight fire with fire. You have to overcome evil with good. You love your enemies. He's going to talk here about suffering and persecution. And so what should your attitude be? It should be love. Above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love covers a multitude of sins. What do you need to be a good uh, member of the body? You need to have a, a blind eye to a lot of things. Are you going to see uh, acts of imperfection among uh, church, among those who are called clergy, among deacons, among leadership, elders? Are you going to see imperfection in people who uh, are sitting in the same uh, pews with you, who attend the same uh, uh, you know, church service. You're going to see people taking communion. You're going to see that hypocrite. That I can't believe they're taking communion. You're going to see stuff like that. Yeah, only if you go to church. I mean, yeah. You're going to see hypocrisy in my life. You're going to see lack of perfection, or or can I just say sin? Yeah, yeah. What should you do? Uh, love covers a multitude of sins. Should you always close one eye and look the other way? No. No, there's a time when you have to speak out. There's a time when you have to say. And there's a time in love where you have to call somebody on that. And that's a fine thing. But love, remember, it covers a multitude of sins. I tell people who are getting married, you know, go into this with your eyes wide open. Look at every last little thing. See how they, you know, if you're going on a date with a guy, see how he treats the waitress. You know, that's how he's going to be treating you in a short time if you think you're going to marry him. See how, if he's a good guy, if he's, because he, his reality, he'll, he'll put on the dog, he'll act really like, I love you and I'm a wonderful person and you'd love to stay with me because I'm such a you know genial guy. But the real him will leak out. Look for that. Keep your eyes wide open. You get married, close your eyes about halfway. You're going to have to let some stuff pass because you've got two sinners in the same house. Love covers a multitude of sin. Let me just put it that way. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Here he's calling us to hospitality. That's one, one of the things love should look like. It, look, it should look like people who are hospitable. But grudging is something that comes a lot of times when you're being hospitable because it's hard. You know, you're, you're inviting somebody over and then like you're thinking like, hey, what did I do that for? And, and my, my wife, who's the most hospitable person I know, but she's insane too. She'll clean the house. She'll like... You know, white glove tests, like people come in, you know, and they go like this over the pictures, you know, hmm, like, like that would ever happen, right? But she's, she's running around, she cooks up a storm, there's enough food to feed Cambodia for a month, she's, it's, it's great food, and she's cleaning, and she's taking care of stuff, and she wants the lawn mowed, and she wants, and now she's trying to drag me into her, and, and that could be a very, a situation where you're grudging, I'm not saying my wife uh, is grudging but but th that can be a situation where like ah, oh, why did we do this now i gotta do this and i gotta do this and it's no 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 hospitable without grudging as every man hath received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god you've received the grace of god 
you minister the grace of God here in hospitality, but I think it's broader than that everywhere. One of my things I try to do the most, one of the things I'm most conscientious of, one of, I'm, I'm trying to show the grace of God. I don't want to portray him as a ogre, as a, I mean, and listen, if this doesn't come across in the Song of Solomon, his grace is multifaceted. A lot of people think his grace has to do with mercy. Mercy is, shows the grace of God, but so does judgment. So does, I mean, you don't want to share heaven with a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. You don't have to walk around heaven looking over your shoulder thinking you're going to get mugged or beaten up or robbed, do you? I mean, even the judgment of God shows his grace. The fact that he brings us through different trials shows his grace. His grace is multicolored here is, is what it's saying the uh, manifold grace of God. And Peter would know of his grace as, as, as multicolored. Uh, and we've received this, and so we minister this as stewards. A steward is somebody, as you all know, who takes, you got a retirement account? You have, you have uh, you know, uh, banking, simple banking. Uh, you know, somebody's got your stuff, and they're taking responsibility uh, for it. Um, and we're stewards of what? The manifold grace of God. What is it? How does that play out? Look at verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do, uh, do it as of the ability which God giveth. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He breaks into this doxology. We see Peter, um, Paul do that a lot of times also. Now we have Peter doing it here in the fourth chapter of Peter. You're speaking, speak of the great oracles of God. Teach truth. Uh, if you're uh, with, with the ability which God has given. I, I don't, I'm not jealous of other uh, speakers, other pastors, other, other teachers. There's a lot of people who do a lot better than me. It's, it's, Everyone's a better preacher as far as preaching and cadence and, and uh, you know, the dramatic pause, the eye contact, the little catch in the voice, the tear in the corner. And so many people do this and do it really well. And, and I don't mean putting on some affectation. I mean, people preach well. I don't, I'm not a speaker. I teach the truth. And I, and I have my own passion, but the way God made me is the way that God made me. This says, if any man miss, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. This is what he's given me. I hope you're okay with that. Warts and all, this is who I am. I'm okay. A long time ago, I figured out I'm not Joe Foch. I'm not Damian Kyle. I'm not Ken Graves. I'm, I'm me, and I'm okay. Do whatever God's called you to do. Do it as a steward of the manifold grace of God. And this is, Jesus Christ is glorified through that. So that's the part that I'm really cool with because people look at me and say, that Jesus, he's awesome. I mean, if he can make that clown, you know, well, never mind. That's how I think. And to Jesus Christ be praise and dominion forever and ever. Beloved, think it not strange. Now here's kind of like, it's a new, but it's not. He's just kind of resuming this. Same thing. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has, has happened to you. So church in America, 
let it be known that in May of 2020 is the day, is the month that that the government cracked down on the church and fiery trials are happening in earnest. We haven't been hitherto molested by the government. Oh, there's always a little bit. We always get some lesbian governor, uh, lesbian mayor of Houston who's trying to crack down on hate speech and tells the pastors there that they're going to have to set, submit their sermons to her uh, uh, ostensibly for approval or someone's going to come and arrest them or something. So there's always somebody who's overreaching. And that's usually not throughout the, the United States. Um, in three years ago, four years ago now, during the last administration, they told us that we had to marry people of the same sex and we couldn't opt out regardless. That's the government. That's, that's a fiery trial. And the answer to that is no. Um, well, but they haven't really prosecuted. I don't know anyone who's been sued or thrown in jail. Um, and there have been people who have been prosecuted, persecuted by the government, you know, for not making a cake for a homosexual couple, for instance. Um, but that's that's a little bit... So the government isn't always our friend, but I've known that my whole life. I think some people are just learning it now. Uh, they persecute us by teaching our kids the uh, the fairy tale of evolution. They You go to... a uh, a public school and they try to teach kids how to be Democrats, how to have feelings rather than logic. A lot of things that they teach in school are very, very objectionable. They've persecuted God to the point where he's no longer in the schools. Uh, he, you can't pray to him. You can't uh, have a, you know, you can't. I remember my, my wife taught uh, abstinence, you know, and she'd go to, into public schools and there was money available and the doors were open, stuff like that can't say the G word. There's always been persecution. I mean, my whole life. And I, I think the government's never been my friend. And they're not forthcoming uh, with truth. Uh, they, the whole world lieth in wickedness. Now, I want you to understand this. The Bible says, you could disagree with me, but you're wrong biblically. The Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Now, the, the, here's my point, okay? Now, COVID-19, is COVID-19 for real? Of course it's for real. I'm not debating that. No logical person would. Uh, so they're saying they have a vested interest in keeping the, the church closed. No, they don't. Uh, under what circumstance do you think that's... Uh, okay, here's, here's the thing. Let me just tell you... The history of it. COVID's coming. It's a pandemic. People are going to get sick. We want to flatten the curve. We don't want to overwhelm the hospitals. So we voluntarily, this church, the elders and myself, and we were all on, in agreement on this. We've never been through a pandemic. The CDC says this is horrible. It's going to... Now, I want you to understand, we never thought the disease wasn't going to come. That disease wasn't going to kill people like diseases do we were just trying to make it so that the churches the churches 
we closed the churches so the hospitals wouldn't be overwhelmed. And I remember having this discussion with Carl. He's one of, Carl Morse is one of our elders, and he says the government is very good at taking your rights, and they're very, very weak at giving your rights back. And I thought at that time he was speaking prophetically, and so he was. But who says he has to be a prophet without honor? He was correct. Um, at what point does the governor get to say, this is what church should look like. Now, somebody, please, 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 please. We ought to obey the, uh, uh, those who have the authority over us. We submit ourselves to government. Stop right there. You, I don't think you know what you're talking about. I'm the one who teaches that, so you're not going to tell me something I don't already know. When do we go against the government? When they tell us. When we can and can't, what worship should look like, when it should happen, where it should happen, when we have to either obey God or obey man. Now, whether they have a, an interest, well, work with us. D you know, did the government have an interest when uh, the bubonic plague was ravaging Europe? The churches didn't close then. My, what I'm saying is, it's not your, the government's decision. It's our decision. That's all I'm saying. Um, well, it, COVID's real, it's killed, but, 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 but nobody's arguing that. And in light of that, we know how to care for our flock. I was called to do that. Now, are you going to tell me the governor of the state? And I'm not, please listen, please listen. I'm not judging her motives. I don't know her heart. Does she have a calling in her life to care for the bride of Jesus Christ? Because I do. The elders here do. We'll pray. And we've been meeting. And we've been praying. And we have word from God. And then we have a word from the governor. Are these at cross purposes? I'm here to tell you yes. I'm not saying she's a bad governor or a bad person or doesn't care. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying the Bible says to obey the government and then this person here who wrote this book says obey the government, and then he's crucified. Why? Because he didn't obey the government after he told you that he should. Because there was a point where the government said, you're not going to do this. He said, well, yeah, I am. And with that, if crucifixion is on the menu, if that's what's going to happen. We don't crucify in America, but we do have fiery trials, and sometimes they're from the government. If that's what's coming... Okay, I understand. I don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I don't think it's strange that Christians are turning against Christians. Jesus said that that was going to happen. I also don't think it's strange that, you know, it says in Hebrews that we're to forsake not the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is. Forsake, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together the manner of summons, but exhorting one another and so much the more. As ye see the day approaching. Why does that verse, part of that verse there? Because he told us at a time when that day is approaching, that's when I don't want you to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But let's proceed. Rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. So today... Ken's Graves is having a church service. He was ruled against in the 
uh, second circus, uh, second circuit, and uh, it's going. It's probably going to go to the Supremes. Maybe we don't know. Who knows that? God knows that. Maybe he'll get arrested today. I hope not. If he does, well, I'd be jealous a little bit. If you, if I have to share my heart with you, and I've always tried to be really open and be a little jealous. Rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. They think it's strange, you know, you're not running with them to the same excess of riot, so they speak evil of you, but they're going to have to give an account. Here, there's fiery trials. They're going to have to give an account too. That's fine. So we have to give an account. We have to do that with clear conscience. Me? I am more inclined to obey the government of this church, the elders. You say, well, you're an elder. Yeah, I'm on the board, but I'm not the, I'm not the entirety of the board. And what the board determines is what, I, is what I do. I've submitted myself to the, the board. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that I fly in the face of everything the governor says. Uh, the legislature here in Maine, they set the speed limits, and I try to abide by them all the time. Um, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I, and I would abjure you to be as well. Sometimes, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. you got to obey God. And my whole case is that I have to have a cl- a, my conscience. I have to go by my conscience. I have to do what I feel that God's calling me to do. I don't have to do what the government's calling me to do when they're in conflict. It's just because there's a lot of places in the world where governments and the church are in conflict. It's happened in America before, and it will no doubt happen again. And there's one more thing I just want to say before I leave this. I took an oath when I was in the United States Marine Corps to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. It's not talking about their witting or unwitting enemies. Again, I'm not talking about motives. I'm talking about that the First Amendment is invaluable. It's God-given. It's, it's, I believe with all my heart, we're supposed to get together. In countries where the church says, Christianity, you never get together. You think they obey? They would be disobedient to Christ if they did. And that's coronavirus notwithstanding. If you are approached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. I want you to think about that. Think about that so I can drink my coffee. No. Think about that to think about that. You're approached, you're persecuted, you're, there's this fiery trial, but it's for the name of Christ. You're, you're, you're reproached, you're criticized. I've, uh, I've had criticism, even this week. Uh, 
Some of it's been from brothers and sisters. Some of it's been people talking to me and concerned, and I'm okay with that. I'm not ever saying, you can't question me, I'm, I'm, you know better. But people have criticized, and I always think, and I, I try to be humble, I try to receive, and try to, but some people just shrill, cacophonous, unhelpful, talking about things that long before we've resolved. And maybe it's my fault. I don't have a, a Twitter account. I haven't been, you know, you know, communicating to the church all our activities, all the things that we're thinking, that I'm thinking about, that God's talking to me about. You know, maybe it's, it's my fault that I haven't communicated that. And I'll, I'll, my responsibility in all this, I'll, I'll take, I'll take my blame. But people are, are criticizing, and I think like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Want to receive with humility, and then, because sometimes that's the oracle of God, and then sometimes it's dribble. I don't know if I can put it any plainer. If you're approached in the name of Christ, happy you. And I'm okay with that. Happy, yay, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon me. Now, criticism isn't the worst thing that you can endure, but that's what he's talking about. If you're reproached, he's not talking about, when he's talking about the fiery trial, I mean, think about that. Um, in When Nero persecutes the church, he takes Christians and he lights them on fire. He, he puts them on a stake, he lights them on fire to, to light his garden parties. That's what the word, the term term Roman candle, now we use it for like, you know, hey, hey it's 4th of July, let's light off Roman candles. That, why they call Roman candles? Because of that practice there. Uh, the fiery trial was very fiery, and I think Peter's alluding to that, and he's not, it's not a accidental, I think he's connecting dots and people, and so if you're lit on fire, and they would either do that or throw you to the lines in the Colosseum, but I mean, think about it. Um, but it's reproaches it's 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 the same in the same direction of course it's not anywhere near as severe if you're approached in the name of christ happy if you're criticized it's a happy occasion in that the spirit of glory and of god rests upon you on their part god and the spirit of glory on their part he is evil spoken of on your part he's glorified he's praised but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or, or as a busybody in other men's matters. If Ken were to be arrested, if any Calvary Chapel pastor or any pastor in America is arrested, there are some will good. That'll teach that scoff law, that evildoer. Yeah, no. Following that's what they always said about the church. Anyone who was part of the government who persecuted the church. In Muslim countries, they think that following Christ, those people are evildoers. Now, there's a way to suffer really as an evildoer, murderer, thief, evildoer, busybody. Busybody's just meddler. <laughs> is, is it funny to see them with murderers and thieves and evildoers? Uh, no, it's, it's an evil all of its own. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. Suffering as a Christian, will you be? Yeah, yeah. It's what's on the menu. It's it's what's going to happen. 
and now it's going to happen more than it's ever happened in the past. Will this all quell? Will the, the Supremes come out and say, uh, no, First Amendment rights are invaluable. Uh, you can't, uh, governors have no right to tell you when you can and can't, pandemic notwithstanding. And by the way, that's correct according to the Constitution, but that's correct morally as well. Um, if you suffer as a Christian, this is the only third time in all the in all the New Testament the word Christians used. They were first called Christians at Antioch. I think that's in chapter nine. Might be wrong. In chapter, I think it's chapter twenty six, where Paul is in front of Felix. He says, "You almost pers- persuade me to be a Christian." That's only the second time it's used in here, and the third time in the New Testament. It means. Some will say it means little Christ, and it's used in its diminutive form as a pejorative term. And I, I always thought that, and I think it, it may be still. But it's of the party of Christ, like Herodians, you know, Caesarians are of the party of Caesar, Herodians of the party of Herod. So it's like, it, it might, it's the same format. It could mean the same thing. Um. They used to call us Jesus freaks. They don't call us that quite so much anymore. Um, but there's always pejorative terms. <laughs> now it's those born-agains. Or those reborns. That's what they say. you one of those reborns. Um, it sounds like you're a rube, by the way, when you say that. I'm just saying. Uh, but they say it different ways. You know, holier than thou and hypocrite and all that. We've always been name-called. That's, that's fine. If you're suffering as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? So if God's purifying, cleansing the whole earth, judging the world, he has to judge his church first. You knew that. You had to know that. You have to know. You can't be the disciplinarian uh, in any uh you can't be the cop who lets his kids disobey the law. It's it, it it's not right. You can't be the the one who's you know bringing the law and being a scoff law at the same time. God's going to judge his first and then everybody else. Uh, you had to know that the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God here in A.D. whatever in the first century when Peter's alive. Um, he said, at that time, judgment must begin at the house of God. Is it the end time? Is it time for Jesus to come and take his bride? Is it a time when judgment must begin at the house of God? I think it's always, but I think to this, at this time, to a larger degree than it's ever been in the past, judgment will come. It's going to begin at the house of God. If it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Which, what's going to happen to them? If we're persecuted on behalf of God, what happens when God's the one who's doing the judgment? That's that's kind of what it's saying. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now, when it's talking about the righteous scarcely being saved, it means it... I don't say this right. You You work and you work like a dredge and you... You, you're, you work your fingers to the bone for Jesus Christ and you just barely make it into the kingdom. That is 
the wrongest thing that I could possibly think of, and some of you are thinking in those terms, I want you to shake your head till that idea falls right out. It doesn't. It shouldn't even be in your head. It has no merit whatsoever. If the righteous scarcely be saved, it took an, the activity of God. It's a miracle. God had to come to earth, had to die on behalf of us, and it's a free gift. But it's, it, 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 it took a, a huge activity. It took, a, it, it, it took the death of Jesus Christ to save us, and you're outside the death of Jesus Christ with your unbelief. What, how, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Uh, don't think your knees aren't going to knock together a little bit at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, I'm just going to sit there, bowl as butter, and say, yeah, here I am, you know, and it's all good and stuff like this. I mean, hell's kind of scary proposition. And I'm there claiming the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ alone. Absent that, how are you going to stand before God? Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So we suffer. It's not suffering in the sense of God getting us. No, he got Jesus on our behalf. So why, why the suffering? Because it's a purifying process. It's kind of the idea of you know smelting silver or gold or something like that. When you mine it, it's full of impurities. And, and so it's heated at high temperature. All the, the impurities rise from the top. And it's, they're skimmed off to make the product more refined. And so that the suffering that we endure has that refining process. It's never for punishment. Oh, we can punish. We can be punished. We can be suffered. Suffer in verse 15 as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or a busybody. Absent that, if we're suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ, it's a glorious thing. Always remember that. He that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. The impurities rising off, the sin, the, the, the dross, the, that stuff skimmed away. Is it a painful process? Being heated to boiling temperatures? Yeah, it's kind of, a, kind of a painful process, as some of you know. Um, that's what God is doing. Will he let the government do that as well? Stay tuned. We'll see. We'll find out together. Me, here's, here's my commitment. I'm going to pray. The elders of the church are men of prayer. We're going to seek the will of God, and we're going to do what God says. And then, whatever. Whatever. I talked to Susie. Are you ready for me to go to jail or lose my job or be fined? Or... We signed up. In for a penny, in for a pound. There's never been a guarantee ever that you won't be persecuted. The only way, there's only one guarantee. We go along to get along. I'm sorry, that's not on my menu. That's not. We all have to draw our lines and follow God to our hearts and then come what may. Imprisonment, fiery trials. We're in God's hands. Father, I just want to pray that, you know, come what may, we're going to serve you all the days of our life. This is a non-negotiable. I know what I'm saying. I understand. I have to put my, I'm, I'm shooting my mouth off, as it were, and you may call call me out on it. 
whatever. Uh, I trust you with my eternity. I certainly trust you with my here and now. I put all eggs, all my eggs in one basket, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I call you Lord for a reason. And I'm not going to shrink back now. Whatever, come what may, Lord, um, we commit ourselves to your care and keeping. We, we commit ourselves to you. And we're not going to concern ourselves with you can take us where you want to take us because you're the Lord and we're not. We're not gods of our life. Help us to be bold, to be correct. We don't want to be rebellious and certainly not rebellious against you. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace. Be well.